time for scaring us sharing the podcast where we share spooky news and frightful views with each other and you about all things horror that's right you clicked on it you downloaded it you opened the box we came <laughs> you read the passages we arrived i don't know i was thinking of evil dead you Which summoned can... us you conjured us <laughs> evil dead keeps getting all the all the praise right it's not fading no no it, it sounds like this one kind of rocks well, I am so excited, but I'm even more excited today to be spending time with one of my favorites, Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim, Rusk. And I have to say the same thing about Brandy Joe Planbeck, the flaming scream queen. Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Brandy Joe. Happy Sunday while we're recording. Yeah, happy Sunday. Yeah, that seems Sunday to be our Sunday. Sunday fun day is our new normal for recording. So <laughs> for right now, there's no yeah. normal with us. Okay, yeah, that's true. Which... We, we, we tend to switch it up. Who wants normal? You know, that is just boring. We are atypical people, so we like to be atypical. <laughs> we like to mix it up, roll the dice, take some chances. That's right. Yeah. It's all about taking chances, just like Celine Dion says. She does. And your wife just saw Titanic in New York, right? She did. And she loved it. She loved it. Oh, my God. So uh, good. I want to do it someday. And I saw, like... uh something where i don't even remember what we were watching but something on tv played like a selection from it uh mm. and that's how we became like aware of it like the cast was there and did like a couple scenes from it on that's awesome s- some talk show or something and that i want to see it so it looks hilarious yeah it looks amazing which uh, we'll tie back into that in just a little bit but i'm super excited for that but okay do you know what is the best news of all time that I've been manifesting in the world. I'm sure you've heard. There's a a bit of news that I have mentioned multiple times on here that Mm -hmm. I hoped it would happen, and it has. It's happening. It's happening. I want to hear it out of your mouth. Linda Blair is in The Exorcist. Yeah, I just, (laughs) I saw that. uh, I saw a blurb, I think, last night as a headline where they're like, Linda Blair reportedly on board for The Exorcist reboot. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I read she spent very little time on set, but I don't care. I I'm, I think that maybe it will, you know, we'll see what happens in the first one, but maybe she'll be back for more later. Yeah, I'm just shocked that this thing just wrapped filming, but it's supposed to be out by this Halloween. I know so that like well, yeah. blows my mind. But if they have an aggressive production schedule, which it sounds like they do for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, so if they're taking it like back to basics and just doing something similar to the first movie i can't see editing being too uh you know that should go quick and i imagine effects shots were probably practical and done in camera it sounds like so yeah yeah i'm just so fucking pumped post must not must not be too big of an issue for this i mean i love to shuffleboard all over with this this show but if you've never listened to us before jeremy and i talk about horror stuff and then we assign each other the each other a movie that the other person's not seen before although this week i don't know if you've seen it or not but i'm giving it to you okay (laughs) cool i really like to take some chances okay yeah i'm a risk taker and um, if you don't want to hear us talk about news and views, then 
Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> then get out. Uh, you can look in the podcast notes and skip ahead to whatever review you'd like or both reviews, you know, but hang out with us. Yeah. Hang. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Jeremy, we have some telegrams. Let's let's get to them because I'm I'm already on this mind track after t- talking about Titanic that I want to get to to one of them in particular. OK, let's do it. You start kick us off with one. I'll start off with the first one, which is from Fiend of the Podcast. And uh, I don't know, dedicated listener, longtime uh, writer at this point, Lauren. Yes, um, Lauren. Love your emails. Uh, as you discussed uh, brand names and movies, I suddenly wondered about iconic brand placement in movies and how it happens. So I looked up why they used Reese's Pieces and ET in the internet had answers. Appearing in one key scene, when Elliot lures the alien with a trail of the mini candies, Spielberg originally intended for this iconic moment to involve M&Ms. The only reason they never ended up in the movie was that Mars Incorporated, who owns M&Ms, refused to give the filmmaker permission to use the multicolored chocolate. As a result, Spielberg chose Reese's Pieces as a replacement. Hershey Foods, who own Reese's Pieces, struck a deal to promote the movie, dedicating $1 million to advertising, all whilst Universal allowed them to feature the titular alien in their visual media. That's. I wonder if they kicked themselves at all over that. Yeah, because they probably could ask for a lot more. I also no, have... I, I mean that, that they didn't allow M and M's. That's what I mean. Oh, M and M's. Who knows? Who knows if they cared or not? But th- that's. Uh, I was going to say too. I think I had heard that that deal is an early one for like product placement, where companies like what mm. happened with ET. Other companies were like, "Wait a minute, we can ask them for like a ton of money to have our thing." Like that's what we're going to start doing, um, and that started to catch on more and more. It makes uh, sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And then you get to the 90s and like forward where everything is commoditized and you know that any sort of product that appears in like in a Marvel movie, any new car or whatever they're putting in there, there's like some gigantic corporate deal in the background that went into play to like make that happen. Uh, so, yeah, that's the world we live in now. <laughs> One of my favorite uses of product placement is in the movie Josie and the Pussycats, which, which I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I thought it would be really bad, the movie, and I think it's just so, so, so good. I've heard and, it's like a giant cult classic now. So oh, it's, I love it. I think the music is great. I think the the actual singer is from Letters to Cleo, I want to say. Okay. Which I don't know super well, but, uh, but it is super fun and it's all about product placement and mm-hmm. like that sort of thing. So there's just product placement up the wazoo and I'm pretty sure they didn't get permission and get paid by anyone to do it they mm-hmm. just used it um that's i i believe what i'm remembering correctly but which they could defend uh under copyright law and say it was parody or satire because right. then then you're allowed to do mm-hmm. like then you can use real names and use real images of products if you're saying it's a satire yeah and from from what i know of writing a few parodies i feel like you have to say it's a parody in like the title you can't just come back later and say like well it's a parody you have to say like it is this and it is a parody musical or whatever that's how south park yeah gets away with it because they have a disclaimer that says that in the beginning of every episode for you know from the beginning till now so interesting it's also fascinating and that you can use, like, we did uh, Fatal Attraction. That was our first show at the Ringwald, like, at our old space proper. We did Fatal Attraction, a Greek tragedy, which was, like, the movie Fatal Attraction, but 
yeah, a Greek tragedy. Done in the style of Greek tragedy. Right. And all the characters were named Glenn Close, Michael Douglas, and things like that. Ellen Hamilton Latson, I think, was the little the little girl's name, the daughter. But um, but it, it's so interesting how you can do that. You can name real people as your characters and get away with it, but you couldn't name them whatever Alex. I don't remember what her name is in the movie, but yeah. But it's just so interesting that yeah, characters are copyright copywritten. Yep. Copyright property, whatever. Cop- copyrighted. Copyrighted? <laughs> copy. I copy- like copyright, even though I'm sure it's wrong. Yeah, copyright. I don't know. Copyright. Copyright. Copyrighted. Roted. <laughs> but it's also fascinating. I think parody and all of that. So. Yeah. And the E.T. story reminds me yet another example I was reading about of the first Leprechaun movie where they had a scene where the Leprechaun eats Lucky Charms, Mm. um, which the Lucky Charms, uh, I don't know, General Mills, whoever owns them, gave them the right to do it. Uh, I was like, yeah, cool. We'll help you, you know, promote this movie because they weren't going to charge anything either. It was going to be like a freebie. But apparently all they asked was to see a cut of the movie before it was released. And then they saw the movie and were like, no, we have to, <laughs> we don't want to be associated with this. Um, so they had to cut the scene, which cost them money, uh, which is why at the end of the movie, there's the scene where like, it's the boy that he shoots the um, four leaf clover at the leprechaun to kill him. But he, I can't remember. He had like a line they said originally that was like, your luck just ran out or some stupid one liner. But then they changed it to fuck you, Lucky Charms. And that's why <laughs> that's in the movie. So it was really a dig at Lucky Charms. I mean, yeah. I wonder how many times that has happened that someone uses something and then they yeah, like, nope, you cannot. We, we changed our mind where they're like, okay, yeah, go ahead. And then they see it and they're like, nah, get rid of that. I think there's a lot of stories, especially in horror. I think there's more than uh, more than a few instances of that. And it's so nice when it integrates in clever ways and in ways you almost don't notice because it's super annoying when you're watching something, especially like a reality TV show is where I seem it seems to be the most annoying where they're obviously being sponsored by whatever, you know, Sony TVs or whatever. And they'll always be like, I don't know, let's watch it on our Sony TV. And like, just the way it, let me grab my iPad. And you're like, Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's nice when you almost don't even notice, which in that vein too, I'm surprised we haven't yet seen, because they're the perfect product for like horror movie product placement. Like when our characters could be like, ah, let me quench my thirst with this liquid death before I go fight this. (laughs) monster like that's what i'm waiting for something like that it's a matter of time yeah come on liquid death get out of that you should you should be the drink of choice in horror movies moving forward for people that's right all right well this all ties in really nicely to our next message from uh my friend matthew hi matthew and the subject line is horror musicals and matthew writes hello you two after listening to the Scream 6 episode, I was let down like Brandy Joe when the stab the musical was not in the film. I felt that aside from the subway scene that they really didn't use New York as much of a set piece due to it not being filmed there. This got me thinking of something else. They aren't there aren't that many horror films turned into stage musicals. Most of the ones that exist fall into the parody musical and since horror and comedy go well together. Most of the ones that exist fall into the parody musicals since horror and comedy go so well together. I wanted to know if there are any horror movies that the two of you would like to see get the musical treatment. There are two that come to mind for me. I'd say Stripped to Kill. That movie already had a sort of performance aspect 
to it during the striptease numbers, which could make fun musical numbers as well. But you could go a little deeper into the story and make it a serious horror musical. The other would be a musical parody of Sleepaway Camp. And I'd like to see Brandy Joe Plambeck play both Aunt Martha and the pervert cook. I think the unintentional humor of this movie, as well as the campiness of it, would be a great musical horror comedy. I'd love to hear your picks regarding this. Take care, Matthew. Thanks, Matthew. I don't know what Strip to Kill is. That's a uh, Jalo, I think. Is it? Yeah, I believe. Did it come out before Dress to Kill? Or after? Uh, Let's find out. Yes, I like the idea of Sleepaway Camp. And I know we've talked about it before. Like, I feel the only way you could do something with the original story is to do some sort of subversion where it doesn't come across I'm sorry. Strip to Kill is, is American. What is it though? It's a American erotic thriller sexploitation film mm. from 1987. So okay, so Dress to Kill is before. Yeah, yes. I've never even heard of that. Yeah, I've seen the name, but for some reason I thought it was a Jalo. I'm. I think there's a Jalo with. Oh, sorry. There's a Jalo movie called A Strip for Your Killer or something like that. So it's uh, similarly titled to something else. Interesting. Okay. Now, in regards to Matthew's email, I know that there is... Oh, I see the poster for Strip to Kill. Yeah, never seen that, but that Uh is... She is grinding on that blade. That cannot be healthy for you. No, cannot be comfortable. Oh my god, the title, though, like, if you scroll through the pictures on IMDb, it looks like the Dress to Kill, like, font, almost. Oh, yeah, probably a ripoff. Oh, yeah, they're definitely trying to cash in on that. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, I should check that out. Uh, I know that there is an opera. I know we've talked about horror operas before. There is um, an opera version of Dolores Claiborne and an opera of The Shining. Mm-hmm. And I don't l- care for opera myself. And I don't know if I went to one of those, if I would care for them or not. I know mm-hmm. my husband loves The Hours. I think it's his favorite movie of all time or his favorite book. I can't remember. I think favorite film. And they did an opera of that and they showed it in theaters and he went to see it and was not... He was a little bored, but that's I. That's just kind of how I feel about opera. I can respect it, but I find it a little dull. Yeah, I've watched part of uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly, the opera, because uh, like one of the performances I think is filmed and on YouTube. <laughs> so I watched part of it, and I'm like, this is not for me. I don't think because it's very much just an opera, but you know, using the fly plot. I just pulled up because I know Stephen King and John Cougar Mellencamp have a musical, hmm. but it's not based on a movie. It is okay. just its own thing. Ghost Brothers of Darkland County. Interesting. Yeah. And while looking for that, I found that there was a musical parody of Misery called Shining in Misery. Interesting. Which I'm intrigued by now, and yeah. I must check it out. Yeah, What. Well- what comes to mind for me too is I immediately thought I want someone to do uh, uh, Slumber Party Massacre too. <laughs> it's an actual <laughs> musical, but good, you know, because that's 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 where my brain is going. Like, what are movies like horror movies that already prominently featured music, uh, and can you turn it into a musical? Because another idea I would think is Return of the Living Dead, because uh, it had that punk rock soundtrack. But it's like, is there a way you can turn that into a musical, like incorporate those songs as an actual, you know, part of the plot as opposed to just the score or the soundtrack? See, my mind goes to 
an Ari Aster musical, Ooh. Hereditary or Midsommar. Like That'd be one cool. of those, but not as a parody, as very straight. I just feel like there's so many moody moments, and I could just see a beautiful musical version number yeah. In there. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't want to see any big, you know, like song and dance, like tapping around and shit like that, but just yeah. some like solid moody numbers because i just watched parade is on broadway right now the jason yeah. robert brown musical and i i've never I, I know one song from it that's very haunting and it's like one of my favorite m- musical songs ever i can't tell you what it's called it's called like the factory girls or something um but i fucking love it so much but i don't really know the musical outside of that but i watched a number from it and i'm like god this is so beautiful like i really want to check it out but that's what i imagine like some just like gorgeous haunting duets and you know yeah singular numbers some belting i am your mother (laughs) that's what i want that'd be cool have you ever seen the movie uh dead and breakfast no i've heard of it is it gay is there gay aspects to it i don't remember it's a musical right but yeah it's a zombie musical uh which i remember seeing in college and being like uh thinking it was a ton of fun uh i was right jeremy sisto is in it uh, oh sure and sure. apparently oz perkins is in it oh oz. I, I didn't know who that was at the time so but yeah sure. i know i i i i seeing horror musical that pops to mind i really want to rewatch it but it's like not on any streaming services and it's only been released on a dvd that you now have to buy like used off of ebay or whatever Mm. so i'm like what happened to that movie and i just remember it being really funny because like the way they framed it was the zombies are they sing like when you become a zombie like you also have an urge to dance Uh, and sing so all the song numbers are the zombies uh so all the human characters are just like what are they doing i think they're singing as they're like watching from like in the house because it's a you know night of the living dead type setup so so where i got the gay aspect is there's a movie called the gay bed and breakfast of terror oh okay (laughs) and um i got those two confused so Mm. but yeah i have heard of dead and breakfast which is a great title and i remember it being like trauma level sort of like it wasn't a very like it did have a lot of money behind it so it was sort of like a trauma-esque kind of movie okay yeah but yeah, that's a great question, and I'm going to continue to think on it. But yeah, I want a moody. There's so many parodies. So the Toxic Avenger parody, which I know we've talked about, I could yeah. not make it through it. They should do but, another. Try another trauma, though. Like I feel yeah. like I feel like uh, you could do a class of Newcomb High, like musical. I feel like there's something sure. there. Maybe not necessarily like any direct adaptation of any of the existing movies so far, but you could probably take that concept and turn it into like a high school musical type thing, but with radioactive monsters as part Mm -hmm. of it i think that would be fun but i do love evil dead the musical it's fucking fantastic directed it multiple times love it love it love it and i also directed robocop the musical which was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun too so gay times yeah um all right cool well thanks matthew for writing in and please listeners write us in with your takes on horror musicals because i want to know parody straight up whatevs whatevs I want your ideas yep and if you want to just write a number from one of them and send it and we'll play it okay yeah we'll play it all right jeremy take it away uh and the next one is from teacher drew 
Uh, and Teacher Drew says, good morning, guys. Your podcast always makes me smile, not just because of the content, but mostly because of your joyful personalities. Oh, isn't that sweet? Oh, uh, I recently rewatched the classic. I know what you did last summer. It held up fairly well after all this time. And because Sarah Michelle Geller is my girl, I had to watch her new series, Wolfpack. Truth be told, there was so much missed potential. It was good to see her again, but the plot got muddled and convoluted. They needed an English teacher to edit it and then he has the cool guy wearing sunglasses yeah. emoji a more intriguing series is red rose on netflix it is much more than a killer app story it keeps you guessing throws some curves and doesn't pull punches it is a british series so subtitles are helpful yeah i've seen some of those where the accents you're like what did yeah. you say so uh now about scream it was extremely satisfying i too miss sydney but am okay with how her absence was handled true fans will rejoice with this latest installment i am definitely a fan of the core four mia goth needs to be in scream seven that would be awesome Fuck yeah well guys that's all for now as i must prep for today's shakespeare lesson in the meantime, stay happy, stay healthy, stay you, love, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Thanks, Teacher Drew. And I agree, Mia Goth, please, Scream 7. Yep. That'd be tough casting, though, because she's starting to get to the point where you're like, if you see Mia Goth, you know she's going to be bad by the end of the movie. Um, so <laughs> they'd have to do the switcheroo and make her a good guy. So I'm jumping a, a little bit all over the place here, but I watched X with my husband on mm. Friday night because he's doing uh, Jenna Ortega for his show, Three Funny Ladies. Check mm. it out, please. Mm -hmm. And so they they watched X and Wednesday, and I really wanted to watch X with him. And it, it held up terrifically to me. I awesome. loved it awesome. so much. And I know he enjoyed aspects of it because he laughed quite a few times, mostly at Britney Snow because she is fucking so good in that movie. She's uh -huh. So, so good. But at the end, I was like, did you hate it? And he's like, meh. Oh. <laughs> Which is, you know, my his typical go-to answer usually when, when we finish something that I love. And it's in the horror realm. Meh. And he's like, I didn't get it. I don't know why she had to be both people. And I was like, I think it's to, like, show the parallels between them. Like, yeah. th there's multiple lines of, like, we're the same. And I think that it that's what ties it in. Yeah. And it's just sort of stunt casting, as we've talked about before. Yeah. And, and, it, and yeah. And it's adding to this multi-arc thing because, you know, X featured both characters. Then we jumped back in time and saw Pearl's story. And I'm assuming in Maxine, uh, the third part, we're probably going to see Maxine now live out some sort of weird parallel, probably to what we saw in Pearl. So, totally. Yeah. And, and I was like, so I, but it doesn't make you want to see Pearl, does it? And he's like, nope. Which oh, bums me out because I just Pearl was so freaking good. I know, but that was like my end, my long game or whatever it's called for having him yeah, watch access. That I was really hoping is to be like, yeah, I'm curious about Pearl so that we could watch that. But yeah, it's never gonna happen. Oh no, it? yeah, you know, Pearl. I still am thinking I should rewatch both of them again, again to see if I feel the same. But I'm starting to think Pearl I like more even than X. So. Yeah, I just love all the subversion. And and there was a scene, I went to the bathroom when we saw it in the theater, I think, like, right after they sing Landslide. Mm. And so there was a little chunk I missed. And when I came back, you, like, you know, gave me the one-sentence filler in. But it was nice to see all of that play out. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it was fun. Um, so, yes, Mia Goth all the way, all day, every day. And... I only want to rewatch certain aspects of I Know What You Did Last Summer. I don't have the desire to watch the full thing. I probably would, like, if I had mm -hmm. to, like, if I needed it or if I needed to for some reason. 
But overall, I'm kind of like, yeah, no, I'd always go to, prefer to watch Scream. Yeah, and I know what you did last summer for me carries a lot of nostalgia because it was one of those as a as a uh, young young teenager. Yeah, yeah, Scream movies that were coming out, and then I know what you did last summer was plugged right in there, so it just kind of fit into the uh, my my little era of horror coming up as a teen that I remember. Yeah, if the requel comes out, I will rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, good. You're going to be held to that. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Well, thanks, Teacher Drew, and thank you, everyone. Please write into us, scaringandsharing at gmail.com, or slide into our DMs on Instagram, scaringandsharing. We want to hear from you. We sure the fuck do. So, Jeremy, what did you watch this week, or do you have any other neos? Um, On the news front, uh, if you're a weirdo like me, you're probably excited by this. They finally released a trailer for Tommy Wiseau's next movie. Oh, uh, you know, as a Tommy Wiseau of The Room, sure. infamous Tommy Wiseau. His next movie is a horror movie. It's called Big Shark. Oh, fuck. Is and it on sci-fi? Uh, apparently it's going to get some sort of theatrical release. I bet I think Fathom Events or someone is probably putting it out for a, you know, limited uh, run. It's about a giant killer shark loose in New Orleans hmm. uh, that can somehow like it's just like in the trailer, it can just go on land with like a like a <laughs> slip and slide of like water around it that it just shoots around the streets. Oh boy! So it looks crazy. It again stars Tommy Wiseau himself and Greg Sestero, you know, who played uh, Mark in uh, the room. Oh, hi, Mark! So uh, they're back. <laughs> they're back together again. It looks insane. I want his wife in it. She was so bad. I mean, everyone was so bad, but she was yeah. so bad. But yeah, it looks like the rest of it is filled out by a bunch of other unknown actors. And like the trailer is really heavy on these like guys that are like boxing, like practicing like boxing in a in a gym. <laughs> I'm hmm. like, how is this going to play to the plot? Who knows? It's Tommy Wiseau. It's going to be right. wild. Fuck. So I'm kind of excited to see it. All right. Intrigued. And I know he like filmed it like years ago or over the course of years and it's finally coming out because the release kept getting pushed back and he kept saying like, I'm still working on it. It's still going to come out. And people were just kind of assuming it was a project, you know, we would never actually mm-hmm. see completed. But nope, Big Shark is coming. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to see that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. What other news bets? That's it. That's the big one I got. That, like, dominated my brain space when I saw that, where I was like, yes, more Tommy So, And he hasn't done a movie since The Room. Like, he hasn't wow. directed, written and directed a movie since The Room. So okay. I know he did a TV series that I think, like, Hulu has the episodes or something neighbors it was called which i heard was like super bizarre but never checked that out i watched a couple more things besides x this week i watched um i tried to watch children of the corn i was really excited like i don't i haven't watched all in the property but i love the idea of it being remade and it being done well yeah and of course as we've talked about like it it probably wasn't going to be good because of the fact that it didn't have it was made forever ago and didn't come out and blah 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 yeah oh my god it is so bad i really watched like 15 minutes and i was like this is so bad like i just Mm -hmm. can't and all the reviews are just horrible i was reading lists of like them being ranked and it's often like last Uh (laughs) uh-huh oh god really Uh, and that's like and i know some of those are like when I think about it, I've only seen the original Children of the Corn all the way through. And I think I've just seen like 
scenes from some of the many sequels. Mm-hmm. Isn't this like the twelfth one or something? Like, I don't think so, there's that many, but there's a lot. There's a lot of them for a series that like talk about a franchise. Like, I don't think anyone asked for it to be a franchise, but for some reason they just kept doing it. So yeah, I read some little blurb that was like from the Stephen King short that wasn't very good to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> Which sometimes that that works. You take something that's not great, but the idea is okay, and then you flesh it out. And I do remember reading this story because it's in one of those skeleton crew or night shift. Mm-hmm. But I remember reading it and it's like nothing like the original film. Or no, it's like, not it's very different. Yeah. Um, and I, but lots of these lists that I read put children of the corn Two at the top and I've never seen it, but I remember it coming out. I think it was new line cinema. And I remember it came to like, to my hometown i remember it would played it before we had like a, a fourplex or whatever we had like just a really gorgeous like singular theater the cody theater on main street and i remember it coming there at one point but i think i was too young to see it okay yeah i don't i know two like has some fans out there like i know the first like three children of the corn i think are the best like the most well-received ones um because i've always heard children of the corn three uh it has a little bit of a cult following but that was because screaming mad george did like special effects in it so there's like a sequence of very wild like effects in there that uh you know uh that's what you're that's the money shot that's what you're watching for but and fucking um naomi watts is in one of them it's so weird yeah there are a few people that were like it's their launching point like what's the low budget horror movie that started your career a children of the corn entry so I mean, you were close. There are 11 of them. Wow. Okay. I was close. <laughs> that is so fucking crazy. Yep. And I remember living in Chicago back in 2001 when Isaac's Return came out because I was like, oh my God, he's so creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, even creepier as he's gotten to be an adult. Sorry, actor. I know you're not listening to this podcast. Um, but he, you know, whatever. He's known for being creepy. Um, so yeah, so I try to watch that. Horrible. Don't recommend it. Don't do it. And then last night I watched Satan's Little Slave. Oh, what's that? That's that that's the that one we talked about last week, the director of Just Before Dawn. You've seen that before. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Satan's Little Helper. Satan's Little Helper, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Satan's Little <laughs> I'm Slave. Like, I'm blending it with Yeah, yeah, Satan's <laughs> Slave. So I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, Satan's Little Helper. <laughs> Satan's cool. Little Helper. I rewatched last night because I was like, well, I'm thinking about it. So I went on Letterboxd and someone said, you know, it's like uh, if you look at it through the lens of like it being like a, a fucked up Disney Channel movie, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And then I read another thing that was like, Halloween ends, this is how you do it. And I'm like, oh. So I rewatched it and realized I'd only seen like the first five or ten minutes because the little boy is Oh, super annoying. That's what I remember is the child actor they put in that is like utterly like like he's so in a, bad. He's in a different movie from everyone yeah. else in the movie. So you're like, yeah, they didn't find the greatest child actor for that. But Amanda but. Plummer is great, and it is just it's fucking ridiculous. There is a scene of animal violence which I did not appreciate, and I'm mm-hmm. not one of those like I don't go to did the dog die like yeah. I, it doesn't. I mean, it always bothers me. I never just want not, animals to die. Not that much. But but I was just like, oh man, that was a little a little extreme. Yeah. 
But I thought it was I thought it was fun. I, it was too long. It's like an hour forty five, and I'm like, this should be an hour twenty. Yes, like it definitely needed to be trimmed the fuck down. But it was fun, and it, there is an element where it is kind of creepy at times, just because people think that like the the guy dressed in like the Satan costume is someone else, and that is always eerie when someone isn't who you think they are and they're in like long like i just find that like an uh, like an eerie sort of yeah of thing and that was something i remember being really effective because like initially when you're introduced to that character it like looks so cheap uh-huh. <laughs> but it look but it looks like a real halloween costume and i look as the movie goes on then you're kind of you kind of settle into the aesthetic it's going for you where you're like oh okay it is supposed to just be some maniac in the cheap ass like halloween costume like running around so that's kind of fun yeah, but when I look at like a DCOM or whatever those movies are called, uh, like Disney, there's a yep. name. Is that it? A DCOM? Maybe. Yeah, the Disney feel like channel, like comedies or whatever. Yeah, they, I yeah. feel like there's another name for it. Yep, and I grew up watching those. So yeah, it's a, but I was course. like, oh, okay, I can I can get into that, and it yeah, yeah I found it enjoyable. So. I mean, not, not great, and certainly would be more fun if you were with like a group of friends who could just like laugh at it. But yeah, for but sure, it's a nice way to spend a late evening. Yeah, and it's a good way too as filmmakers. Like, I feel like he didn't have much money and was like, "How do I make this work for me?" Okay, I'm going to settle into just an overall cheap aesthetic for you know that like that's an feels like it was an intentional choice to make everything look like real, just store bought Halloween everywhere. So yeah. And I want to see whatever that other one is that we talked about with the acid. Blue sunshine. Yeah, I, yeah, see yeah. I still want to see that, too, because I hear that everyone says that, that that's uh, his, like, real masterpiece. So, And what about you? Did you watch anything? Nothing, nothing of note, um, really. But it's funny that you mentioned Children of the Corn, because here's the connections I made. Stephen King had not that long ago tweeted how he wanted to see, like, since, you know, Prey came back, Predator is now a viable franchise again. So, of course, they're trying to figure out, you know, I'm sure what to do with that next. But Stephen King had tweeted they should do Predator versus Children of the Corn <laughs> as a as an idea, which then led me to my brother and I had a conversation recently where we're like, you know, what would be a cool crossover is do Predator in the Purge. Mm. like do a purge yeah. movie and introduce the predator as an element yeah, into that. that like and we were like that's a really good idea have they pitched that yet i bet somebody has and i that's said fun. it manifest it come on i'm gonna manifest that do a predator <laughs> a predator purge movie would be awesome fuck yes all right well shall we get to our shares yeah let's share all right, well, you share with me first. I go first. And after some of the conversation in last week's episode, I've decided I just need to pull the trigger on this. Uh, and my selection is Chud. Oh, boy. The first one? The first Chud. All right. All right. All right. All right. Well, mm-hmm. I know it stands for Cellar Hounds <laughs> Under drowned <laughs> I don't okay. know there's some I know that they like come up out of the the manholes I'm gonna say it's through nuclear waste and they're not quite zombies because that's more the second one but they're like monsters under under dwellers ah fuck I don't know that what it stands for um but I I think it's probably gonna be like a New York or Pittsburgh <laughs> <laughs> one from, or the other from deep under pittsburgh 
And they're going to come up and raise havoc. Raise some hell. Raise. Yep. It's going to be wild. There you go. Cool. And some 80s glory. Yeah. Yeah. This will be fun. Well, I'm giving to you that, and I don't know if you've seen it, so if you have, I'll have to pick an alternate one, but there's a lot of talk about this movie right now because of a movie coming out this coming week. So I'm giving you, from 2014, Last Shift. Have you seen seen it? it. Never seen it. You don't know anything about it? I think Last Shift is the one where I, I I got an image. I have a poster in my brain for it that I think initially I was confusing all the way back when we did 12 hour shift. I think I was confusing those two movies. Cause I think this one is like, it's either a hospital or a police department, something, but they have, it's like they're shutting down in that like assault on precinct 13 sort of idea where it's like an underfunded neighborhood where they're closing down, whatever the local hospital jail, whatever it is, but they have somebody there that's like possessed by a demon or something. I feel like there's like a monster angle to it. So uh, that's and hilarity ensues. So that's what I think (laughs) is going on. Do you want to know a strange thing? I just pulled them both up on IMDb. They are both exactly one hour and 28 minutes weird isn't that weird they're twins we're twinning we're twinning that's cool well sweet well let's go watch them and come back and talk about them awesome don't you blame the movies movies don't create psychos movies make psychos more creative And now we talk about Chud. That's right. And then <laughs> last shift. But yeah. if you don't want to hear about Chud, which of course you should, it's Chud. Then um, you can look in the the notes, the podcast notes, and skip ahead to last shift. Okay, let's there do it. it. Let's do it. Uh, Chud, directed by J- Douglas Cheek. Uh, who apparently this is his like this is his directing credit oh his <laughs> yes. one and only uh, no he's got a, some pbs uh, documentary as well okay but still. that's that's it apparently i was kind of surprised by that anyway the tagline is they're not staying down there anymore and the synopsis on letterboxd is A rash of bizarre murders in New York City seems to point to a group of grotesquely deformed vagrants living in the sewers. A courageous policeman, a photojournalist and his girlfriend, and a nutty bum who seem to know a lot about the creatures band together to try and determine what the creatures are and how to stop them. I prefer the longer tagline from the poster. A recent article in a New York newspaper reported that there were large colonies of people living under the city. The paper was incorrect. What is living under the city is not human. Chud is under the city. (laughs) And then they're not staying down there anymore. That's awesome. That is a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe the best thing about this movie is the poster, which is a gorgeous poster. Yes, it is. The poster is so good. And I remember it so much as a kid. I just never wanted to see it, but I remember it. And like now looking at it after watching the film, I just think it's such a good poster. Oh God. It's a, it's a great poster. Um, Literally like the opening scene of the movie, like sort of 
is the poster like put into action yeah uh, and like that's like it it's cool <laughs> it's got a strong yeah. opening and then for a while you know yeah <laughs> I, I i feel like this movie is surprising because because of that poster you're like monster mayhem and that's not what this movie is for the most part it's it's as a it's as a slow burn yeah it's yeah shockingly <laughs> something called chud with cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers you think is going to be something else entirely but it's a slow burn movie which is like totally shocking to people i think especially exposed to it for the first time and i just wonder like because the name chud like has such a feel to it and Mm -hmm. i just wonder like did that come about before anything like how did that happen i want to be in that writer's meeting is what i want to know yeah like uh uh, i'm I've been digging around online and there's like not a lot of info that's helpful about like the production of, of this movie and all that. So, and yeah, and I, I find it fine. I thought it was okay. I honestly thought I was going to like it more than I did. It's also interesting in the opening credits, it says in charge of production and then it lists whoever. And I just thought that was so weird. Like, I think that's maybe a production director or I don't know. There's some term for that, but instead it just said in charge of production. Yeah. I think it, I think that's line producer is the, but it just felt so weird. Like why describe it? Like actually I'm sure it has a name. Uh huh. So call it that, whatever that is. But I mean, there's definitely commentary here, like about the homelessness and the people in power Mm-hmm. And how maybe to them, the homeless people are monsters or, you know, I don't know exactly what the commentary is, but I know there's commentary there, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's funny that you said you thought you were going to like this more because I I think that every time I rewatch this, <laughs> like I've seen this movie a few times over the years and like for a movie that I'm like, I don't think is amazing and I don't necessarily like recommend to people. It like lives in my head a lot. So it did something just right enough that I come back to it. But every time I watch it, I'm like, it, I, it's like not, I'm always like, I feel like I should like this more than I actually do. Like, cause you know, it's not a super exciting movie to be honest. Um, yeah. I was let down in that regard. And then there's like, I don't know. Most of the action sequences that happen with the monsters or the chuds are like they didn't have like I wish they just would have gone a little more balls to the wall with like, hey, we have someone in like a rubber costume. Let's have fun with it. But it's like they were trying to make a seriously scary movie, but they didn't have the budget to do it. So they there just seemed like giant chunks of chud taken out in these sequences that are supposed to be like you know, where the, the monsters attack, but I just felt there was all these missing elements to it yeah, to make and I it think, feel like a complete scene. And I think, it, yeah, it's budgetary constraints because there's like, uh, spoilers, does anyone care that much about Chud <laughs> if we jump right? But like the diner scene, Mm-hmm. Where, with like, uh, John Goodman looking so cute. Yeah, with John Goodman. And I think this was his first movie, like period. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, with John Goodman, a young John Goodman as a cop coming into the diner. Uh, but yeah, like all the action happens off screen because mm-hmm. they just show that guy like sitting on the street corner, his reaction to what's going on. And he runs away like so I think it's entirely budgetary constraints. Um, And I also 
I told you it was an hour and 28 minutes, but the one I watched on my little super secret site was like an hour and 35 or six. There was like an extended yep. cut. And that's the version I watched too. Is like, okay. I, think, I think that's the version that's regularly available. I, I feel like maybe past uh, theatrical and home video releases had a slightly shorter version. Okay, so I lied. But here there's an... <sighs> So one of the elements I read was cut or that's in like the, the theatrical version or that is not in the theatrical version is finding out that the lead, our lead gal, um, what is her name? Lauren, mm-hmm. that she's pregnant. Mm. I read that that's not in like the theatrical cut. And I actually really like that scene. Like, I think it's a good scene. It feels very honest and real. And she like kind of yeah. cries and they're like, should we have it? Like, what should we do here? Like, it's just a sweet little scene. And I think it's well written. So it was mm-hmm. a bummer that that's not in the original. But then I thought there was a real missed opportunity again. Spoilers. She gets bitten at one point, And I mm-hmm. thought that would have been the great way to have it end is for her to have it like a chud baby. Yeah. Like, I thought for sure, because what happens to, I, I, I didn't know, like, the homeless people, because you meet a couple of homeless characters early on, and then later, one of them has since be, started to evolve into a chud. Yes. Imagine it's because of the radioactiveness, but he also was bit. Yep, he was bit by one. That's yeah. why I thought, for sure, that's where we were going to go with the the our pregnant heroine or fi- final girl i mean she's less like the important one but but yeah but she does the most like badass stuff by like killing that one so yeah but it's also weird because there's a scene where she's in the shower and like the clog like it's clogged and she like jabs at it and then it like spurts blood at her and then you just cut to like later and it's yes. like not a conversation or um what the fuck why was there blood in my drain why did i get I know. it just totally ignores it my thought too is like was a chud in the drain like is that what the <laughs> what we're supposed to take from that because we know it's like lurking in the sewer like when she accidentally left the uh sewer access open in the building like that's how it gets in but yeah so that was just like so baffling to me and then there's other like weird stuff like there's and I, I think this is what was going on. There's like, you know, our, our lead, John Hurd, who's looking cuter than ever. So cute. And he plays mm-hmm. like George Cooper. And he's sort of on to that there's a, like sort of a government cover up. And I think it's him. He's walking along like someone's like following him. Or is it AJ, who's Daniel Stern, who is looking crazy as ever. Yeah. Um, someone is walking and like goes to make a telephone call. And then like this hot guy in like a polo shirt, like... Walks like, up, walks up, and like makes it like cranks that thing on the payphone that makes your money pop out, and then he like eats the quarter. Yes, <laughs> yeah, just like the weirdest thing. Yeah, like, that's disgusting. Like but he's just gotta, throw it. He's got to stop him from making the call. That guy's <laughs> one of the you know government stooges trying to cover up the fact that they made the chuds. <laughs> And let me just say, if you look up, does the dog die? If you look up Chud, <laughs> spoiler alert, the dog yeah. dies. <laughs> like right away. <laughs> and then you see it later. So, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it is. It's just a, it's a weird little movie. There's also this scene where John Hurt is like making, making a phone call to like check his voicemails or mm-hmm. like his answering service. But he like holds something up to the phone 
mm-hmm. to like make a chime happen so he can get his voicemails. That's what it looks like happens. I yeah. honestly had to watch it like four times to be like, is that what's happening? Yeah, I don't know. Like he is doing that. And I'm like, I don't understand these contraptions. And I was born when this movie came out. Like I was alive. So yeah. there's just lots of weird little things that happen in this film. A lot. But and like you said, you got John Hurt, you got Daniel Stern. Like the actors in this are great. Like everyone is good in their roles. And I, I understand that most of them at the time were theater actors mm. in in New York because they filmed in New York. I, I like a New York movie that's actually shot in New York, which is awesome. Yeah, uh, be- Scream be- 6. Before it became too expensive to shoot there. That's why they never shoot in New York anymore. But they used to because it used to be, you know, not the New York it is now. So it was cheap and easy to shoot there. Um, But they were all like local theater actors. And I think for most of them, this was their first like movie. Um, So but that was like a choice the producers made uh, to elevate it. You're like, how do we elevate this B movie? Let's get some really good stage actors to, uh, carry it and give really honest performances. And sometimes over the top performances, but I could have watched a whole movie of offer officer Sanderson, who was like that sassy police assistant Uh was so great. And I could have watched a whole movie of her, her face (laughs) as she just kept, I'm like, that's a way to take a small part, which make the whole theatrical thing you're saying makes so much sense because Mm -hmm. she just takes this miniature part and makes it for me, the most memorable character. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. This movie is just full of weird little incident. And and sorry, I'm all over the place right now, but another thing is this movie feels like it actually has sympathy for the homeless characters, which is something I feel like just doesn't often happen <laughs> in movies. Like, number one, you're set in the city and you never see any homeless people, uh, which is, you know, not realistic whatsoever. But movies right. pretend pretend they don't exist usually in city situations or when they do use them. Uh, I mean, not that this movie doesn't also fall into those same tropes at times, um, but Usually they're just for a punchline or to umps up some sort of drama. You know, it's exploitative all the time. This movie at least felt like there was some sort of, like you said, commentary a little bit about like, and, you know, they just disrespect these people uh, just because they live on the streets. You know, suddenly the government doesn't care about them, lets them get eaten by chunks. So, you know, there's some kind of there's some kind of commentary there. And I, I felt like at least there's some sympathy, which is refreshing to see. Yeah, but it's interesting to like, it almost feels like the homeless people turn into the monsters. And like, what is that saying? But I think it's also because the government lets it happen. Yeah. So like, it just still feels a little weird, though. Like, I don't know, like if you're if it's being if it's a commentary for something that like, because of the way they're ignored, homeless people become the monster. I don't know. There's just something a little bit weird to it. Yeah. Yeah. A, I mean, it, it's a clunky metaphor. I mean, the main thing is like government malfeasance. It's like yes, what, that is what true. this movie is going after is because the EPA or whoever it is was dumping toxic chemicals under New York and it made monsters and they're trying to cover up that it ever happened. So by blowing just, up the sewers. And how odd that one time that truck just like its tire falls into a manhole and it blows up. (laughs) I also love at the end of the movie, like the whole last like 15 minutes, you're like, wasn't this a monster movie? Because the chuds just kind of stopped being a thing in a movie Mm -hmm. named after them. And then it's just this weird like stopping the the bureaucrat bad guy. (laughs) 
that's trying to cover everything up like for the like the last 15 minutes of the movie and you're like it kind of loses the plot i guess but it's also kind of a I feel like a bold direction to take the ending yeah and i feel like the better version of this movie even though it's different but in many ways similar is they live like it is yes. the better version yeah, of this movie. Yeah, I think it is. Absolutely. It is. Like in, the, in regards to commentary and yeah. its effectiveness. And I I imagine budget too. Like and yeah. it had to have had it because of the way that the creatures are in that, like the aliens yeah. or whatever they are. Unseen monsters, you know, lurking yeah, but below it's the surface. A much better version. Yeah, absolutely. And I also was reading because I had forgotten because I hadn't watched this at the time what an inspiration this was for us, the Jordan Peele movie. I was going to mention that. Yeah. yeah, I just got I read that little bit of trivia and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. He did say that this was one of the major influences on us. So which makes so much sense. And I think it's in the opening sequence that yeah. when you're like seeing like the I don't even remember the hands across America. Yeah, commercial the or whatever sitting and there the videos says, there which it's like that's so smart because it yep. really is it's so smart it's just like a a little bit of a hey here's what this movie's kind of about yep. and jordan peele is just like us he's such a child of the video era and just watched all of these movies i'm sure his parents told him were trash but he watched them anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah this video cover when i think of it for whatever reason i think of blood beach is that that one where the girls like in getting sucked into the sand yes i think yeah. of that poster as well like they must have been i mean b and c they must have been yeah. right by each other <laughs> Yep, next to each other in the video store. So yeah, I think absolutely. of those big, like the oversized boxes in my mind is what they are, but they may not mm -hmm. have been. But that's what I, I see in my head. And I've heard Blood Beach is absolutely horrible. I've never oh, seen it. I, I've heard it's almost unwatchable. Yeah, yeah. I watched another movie later in life, like that's probably within the last 15 years. It was a similar thing. Like people were on a beach and if they touched the sand, something weird happened to them mm -hmm. or awful, but... And I watched the whole fucking thing at once, but I was stoned. I definitely was high at the time, so that could explain it. But yeah, I, I mean, Chud is definitely an interesting little film. And I, I do think that the acting helps it be a little better, but it does just feel like a little like, okay, let's get to it. Let's yeah. get to the fucking shit. This is one of those movies I remember to getting from the video store specifically with Nick with the Knife. Nick uh, the Knife. When we would look for just what looked like horrible you know, horror movies, science fiction movies to rent and watch. Chud was one of them because of that video cover. It looked great. And you, you know, it's one of those names that's lived in pop culture. So you're like, okay, let's watch this. And it was just not what we we're expecting because we thought it was going to be like something we could be clowning on and just ridiculous. And it's, yeah, it's a slow burn. And we were totally like thrown off by that when we were, and as for years, I was like, Chud's kind of boring from what I remember. But as I've revisited it over the years, I've gained a little bit of an appreciation for it because there is something to it. Like there is a, uh, a for sure imagination behind this. They just definitely were very constrained by their budget. Well, I am excited for Chud to Bud the Chud. I got well, it's say. coming. We're going to move on to it. I had to do this one as preamble to Chud too. So, all right. Well, talking over this, I already am. My my rating has changed a little bit from in my head. Oh, wow. Yeah. I so know. let's get to I it. Know. Unless you have anything else to say. But... I don't. I don't. Those ugly fuckers. Yeah. Let's uh, out of. Uh, out of five containers of what is it? Uh, contaminated, hazardous, urban uh something i can't remember what the d was in there uh drainage no I'm drainage something like that i don't know what it was but it, 
out of, uh, you know, uh, government stash toxic waste containers, chud, if you will. Uh, how many do you give it? I'm going to give it three. I wasn't going to do two and a half, but like talking about the acting and stuff, I'm like, okay, that sets it up just a little bit above. I give it a three as well. All right. All right. So there is a scare of approval. Scare of approval for Chud. For Chud. I I didn't think I was going to, but. By the skin of its teeth. Check it out. By the skin of its teeth. And I'm curious because I was so wrong on what Chud stood for earlier on. I don't even remember what the fuck I said. But what, wrong answers only, what does Chud stand for? I want some, I want some teragrams. What does Chud stand for? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wrong answers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's what we want that's what i want the yes planet. send them in um all right okay so next up last shift from 2014 directed by anthony de blasi i may be butchering that but de blasi de blasi like degrassi de blasi de blasi and the tagline is all hail the king of hell Rookie police officer Jessica Lauren has been assigned the last shift at a closing police station and must wait for hazmat crew to collect biomedical evidence. Ordered not to leave the station under any circumstances, Jessica comes to learn that it's more than just an outdated station. It's home to the ultimate embodiment of evil and his devoted, bloodthirsty followers. Jessica is left to fend for herself in the devil's playground. (laughs) All right. Paymon! Hail Paymon! Paymon again! How many movies is Paymon in? We've already covered (laughs) three. Three? Three. Hereditary, this, and the first Ghoulies. Oh, I forgot about Ghoulies. I blocked that shit out. So I thought Paymon was like, all like Hereditary dug his ass up and made him into a movie, but turns out he's been a favorite of horror movies (laughs) for a while. For time immemorial. Yep. Hail Paymon. (laughs) Um, Spell differently here, because I have the subtitles on a time or two. Yeah, they spelled it weird, but I'm sure like any ancient... Deity from deity from folklore. He's probably got a million spellings for that damn yep, name. So, yep. uh, anyway, anyway. So last shift, yeah, this was uh, interesting. Uh, I spent a lot of the time trying to re- remember, like, why do I recognize this this gal, the the mm. lead? Oh, the she's lead. in some, um, one of those Marvel shows or something, right? Yeah, she was in a lot of uh, DC comics, actually. That's close. What it was, yeah. Yeah, she was in like Arrow and stuff, but I didn't actually watch those seasons. But mm. it was Walking Dead. She was in the fourth season of Walking Dead. I was like, ah, that's when I still watched the show. Yeah, she had an arc where she was in a few episodes. Is that the penitentiary? Yes, I think it it was the jail season, if I remember. Okay. But yeah, she was in it for a few episodes. She was a, I'm sure she got eaten by zombies, but (laughs) she was a. Yeah, I love her. Juliana Harkavy. Yeah, she was. I I like her. I liked her. I liked her in this role. I mean, the movie Um, is all her. It's all her. This movie felt like. Like, I enjoyed it, um, but I think it's something Teacher Drew has said before. It felt like a rough draft of something else, like, uh, and I'm sure it was budgetary. You know, this was not a huge budget either, but it has some cool stuff going on in in it. But it feels like a demo for a bigger movie. Hence the remake coming out this weekend. Hence the remake that they are, in (laughs) fact, yeah, that he, in fact, shot and did. So we'll see if it is indeed bigger uh and more expensive yeah i'm so so curious about it like because yeah. it really sort of came out of nowhere and i'm like that's such an odd thing like i, I just don't to remake your of... your own movie that's only a few years old 
Yeah, I mean, it's almost 10 years old, which is surprising to me, but some of the effects in it make sense. Like, it feels kind of like an early Saw film or something. Yeah. Like, just like that, like, jiggly camera shaking when, like, you see the monsters or whatever. Like, it has some feelings of, like, the mid, the aughts or whatever, whatever you want to say, the 20, Mm -hmm. since it was 2014. But it's... There are some decent scares, and overall, I like the, just the story. I think is pretty good. Mm-hmm. The one major issue I have with the story is that it feels like the the case that the whole movie revolves around, which is this sort of like Manson like cult. It feels like that should have happened long ago, not a year before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That feels sort of like, uh, and, and and at times, I don't know. That's what I thought. I thought it happened a long time ago. And then for them to be like, and it just happened. You're like, wait, what? Like this, I, I don't know. Felt like there's some plot details that needed to get ironed out in the writing process a little more, maybe a couple more rewrites. Yeah. And I'm really curious about the remake. I mean, I don't know why it's called, it's called Malum. Yeah. And it looks creepy. And I like that the lead gal, you know, I, I'm not sure of her nationality, but she looks maybe Hispanic, Latinx. And mm-hmm. I love that because here I don't know if this Juliana gal is, but it sort of feels like she might be like a Latinx character. And I just I like the story overall. And I, I wonder if there's enough to what you're saying as far as like the, the, the director was like, oh, well, I didn't have the money I, I wanted to make this proper thing. I'm not even going to watch a trailer for Malum because it's playing this weekend at the AMC and I'm going to try to go see it. I'm going to. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'm excited to hear your thoughts. But I remember watching this for the first time and it must have been shortly after it came out because it feels like a long while ago. And I just because I kept hearing rumblings about, oh, this movie's good and, you know, it didn't have a wide release or whatever. And so I watched it on Netflix, I feel, and was just like after seeing the poster, which just looked God awful. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm a little pleasantly surprised by by this. It does. One of my least favorite things ever in the ending, like the very ending, and I won't get into it because it's spoilery, mm-hmm. but I hate that so much. Yeah, <laughs> when it got to that point, I was like, oh, you're going to do this like that. Those were the things I would detract from this movie is it is kind of predictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there I definitely jumped a couple of times and mm-hmm. I, I do love the I mean, I love cults. I love killer cults in horror movies in particular. So I'm all for that. And I did enjoy, I mean, of course, Payman. Um, I did read something that referred to it sort of being like Baskin. Did you ever watch Baskin? No, I I remember like starting it a long time ago, but never, you know, like went back and watched the whole thing. Uh, Yeah, I I, tried and it was a lot. It's a lot. I know there are people that really love Baskin. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like the boosters of it really love it. So I do. And it had a moment where like everyone was talking about it. Um, I know it's like a Turkish Hellraiser is essentially what Baskin is. Yeah. So I do want to give it another shot. But going back to like what I found is like sort of the the plot issue, main plot issue I had, it, I feel like they could have made it more interesting had it happened a long time ago when she was like a little girl and somehow there was a tie-in to why this is happening to her, why this sort of haunting is happening to her, aside from that her dad was involved in the case. But yeah. that she was at the police station when they got brought in and something happened uh, 
you know, some reason mm-hmm. aside from just that that parallel, which is a, a fine parallel, but it just yeah, it just it just feels like mm, this should have been like a little bit older of a case. Yeah, and it, it feels like it feels like there are certain things they wanted to do with the story, so they just did it without it necessarily, you know, from a writing standpoint, like, did the story earn that? Does it make sense? You know, should it have been that way? Um, And it feels like they kind of just, we want to make this, let's just do it uh, and not care about, you know, not iron out those details. So. Yeah. So I'm hoping when I see Malum, I'm hoping that it is just fucking everything that this one wanted to be. Yeah. And more. That would be cool. That would be great to see a, a director do that, where it's like, I'm going to remake something I made that was a bit smaller and lower budget, but now with more more uh, money and ability. And like some insight or perspective mm-hmm. or whatever, retrospective on yeah. it since so much time has passed and like what the good things people said and what they didn't and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because, not weird, but it's a little unusual because there's a nary a review right now on Letterboxd. So it feels like it came out of nowhere, this yeah. thing, which is why I sort of was like, I wonder if you've seen this, which is why I nope. popped it on you because I wanted to rewatch it. Yeah. And then and then I thought, well, maybe it's not even really coming out in theaters, kind of like Children of the Corn, although that did come out in theaters ultimately. But um, I when I went and looked, it's like, oh, it is actually coming to, the, to my local AMC. Mm-hmm. So, And I did think it was... Kind of interesting too to see that this movie specifically had like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, did uh, it? Yeah, because there was like, like two reviews. Exactly, but I was like, oh, that's because it only played at like horror movie film fest. So the only critics that watched it were already writing for like niche horror movie websites. Like it didn't get a wide release. So like sometimes that's where Rotten Tomatoes can be sort of you know manipulative uh, in its rating when it's like a limited release movie like that. Um, And also I was thinking too, I read that the director said that the main influences for this movie were the original Assault on Precinct 13 Mm. by John Carpenter, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then there's a notorious documentary from the 70s about Charles Manson, simply titled Manson, Uh, and he said that was a huge influence on this movie as well, and you can see all three of those like played out here pretty Not even subtle. Like, as soon as you know that, like, that's literally what I was thinking about those movies and then read that those are the movies he based this movie on. I was like, oh, yeah, those are all just blatantly obvious. Like, not even subtext. They are text (laughs) of the movie. Yeah, and I've seen, I think, two of his other films. I think I've seen Dread, which is based on a Clyde Barker story. Okay. Which is all about, like, you know, someone's doing, I feel like they're college kids and they're doing, like, a, oh, you know, what are the things you're scared of the most and let's have you face them sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Which there was another movie that came out this year, Fear or something like that, that I think is similar. And then I think I also watched Most Likely to Die, which was not great. Mm-hmm. But that has, like, a 1.7 on Letterboxd and Dread has a 2.9 or something like that. So... I kind of want to rewatch Dread or at least try to, because I'm like, I kind of remember it, but not really. So, but yeah, so I, I, yeah, I don't have much more to say about it. Yeah. Other than it made me want to go now and actually watch all of the documentary Manson. I'm very interested in tracking that down now. I saw on YouTube, you can watch like a videotape rip of it because it's a movie that infamously Mm. has circulation of it has been kind of, uh, 
here or there throughout the years. At one point, it was like banned because it was when uh, uh, Squeaky Fromm was on trial for trying to shoot Gerald Ford. Um, the movie got pulled from circulation because they wanted her to have a, because she's in it, of course, as a member of the family, uh, they wanted her to have a fair trial. So they didn't want people knowing about this or watching this documentary. Well, fun fact there, we just did Assassins, right? And mm-hmm. Alison McGroat, who was once on our podcast, kept coming in and she said her name and she said Squeaky, or um, what was her actual name? Lynette? Lynette, yeah. Lynette Fromey. And Joe was like, um, who's going to tell her that she's saying it wrong? And then Joe just like was like, well, I better look it up. So he pulls up an interview with the actual person, and she says her name, Lynette Fromey. Oh, wow. We're I know, all wrong. Everyone huh? says from. Yeah, everyone says from, calls her squeaky from. Yeah. yeah. So like yep. it was so because we were going to be like, um, Allison, I don't know where you got that, but you are saying it are wrong. And lo yep. and behold, she was saying it the way that the actual person, person said it. pronounces it. I know. Wow. Yeah, I know. Well, right. Fun fact for the day. There you go. Hey, I think we had that same conversation about Ed Gein or is it yeah. Ed Gein? <laughs> yeah, because of Terror in the Isles, it says it one way and that is not correct. Yep, exactly. Gein. Right. Yeah. Well, it's another one of those cases where I feel like the man himself, like in an interview, like asked about his name. I think somebody used the pronunciation Gein and he said, like, that's fine. And then it's just kind of like whether he said it that way or not, it's what entered the popular consciousness. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. Interesting. Well, that's it on that, I guess. The director also directed a movie that looks absolutely horrible called Wuthering High. (laughs) <laughs> like like Wuthering Heights, but Heights? like a what high is... school version of it. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, but like a stoner version? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the tagline it is passion, poison. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, that looks real bad. Oh my God. That looks okay. Tremendously bad. <laughs> um, all right. So out of five swastikas carved on your face, how many do you give last shift? I give it a three. I give it a three, two. Wow. Another scare of approval. Scare of approval. You get double scares of approval. Just barely make it. (laughs) Yep. These are two. Hmm, Maybe. Yeah. We could, we could, we could sort of recommend them. Yeah. But don't go like, you know, don't jump out of your way. Yeah. You know, if somebody puts Chud on like late at night, happens to already be on TV, give it a watch, but I wouldn't like run out of my way to watch it. A hundred percent. Same with, same with this shift. one. Yep. Yeah, same with this one. They both it's on feel... Tubi. If you're on Tubi. Yeah, if you're on Tubi, <laughs> they both feel like the kind of thing you'd like turn on. I mean, I would say cable, but that's not usually what people are watching anymore. So you put on something like Pluto TV. If yeah. it's just, you know, in there playing, give it a watch. But yeah. Or if you're like, I want to go see Malum, but I want to see the original first, then, you know, check it out. But I'll let you know next week if Malum's any good. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, write to us, scaringasharing at gmail.com. Follow us on Insta. Smash that like button. Rate, write, review. Rate, write? Whatever. Rate and review. <laughs> Do all the things. But more than anything, we're just <laughs> laugh, yeah, learn, glad to have you there. Laugh, learn, love. Yep. Whatever that yep. shit is. Eat, pray, I don't love. Know. Eat, pray, pray love. love. <laughs> sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> oh, I love Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yes. Let's make all... A horror movie version of that. Oh, you still haven't seen Slacks, have you? No. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's okay. Kind of the there you go. Version of that. There you go. Cool. Um. All right. Well. Uh. Keep coming back and hail Paymon. 
And until next time, guys, this chud's for you. <laughs> but the chud. But, but the, chud. the chud. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because... Scaring is sharing. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.